You are listening to the Thundercling Podcast. <laughs> Hi, I'm Feedy. My name's Dave. Back streets, back all right. That that didn't feel a little bit pitchy, I think. <laughs> all right. Anyway, uh, we're back after a brief hiatus because uh, hey, your favorite uh, bi we bi monthly podcast is back, but we are actually just kind of been monthly, monthly. recently. And um, you know what? Got our sponsors. Have been yes. writing me. Yeah. I don't know if they've been writing you, but uh, the people that we get money for that pay for this podcast, mm-hmm. they've been really upset about our tardiness. <laughs> no, dude. They just don't understand the importance of freaking like, sure, we can churn out two okay episodes a month. We could do an episode every, every day. Every day. Every day. Or we can take our time and let it kind of, you want to let the stew simmer for a while. We need that's how to you marinate get that, it. That's how you get that umami. What's umami? Um, you don't know what umami is? What's umami? MS, you know, like MSG, like I richness. Know what Dude, that's my, the flavor. My that's favorite called, food in the world is Doritos. I mean, that, yeah. So you know all about umami. So that's um, what they call it. It's So the five flavors are like um, sweet, salty, Bitter, sour, sour, and then umami. Which no is shit, richness, dude. We can Wikipedia this. No, no, right let's now. not do it. Like, I, nobody can see us. What you're doing here? You just reached over to the computer. Okay, He's I'm like, afraid I'm doing that it, I man. said it wrong. Now, umami, umami, umami. Yes. Okay. Thank okay, God. Okay, it is umami. Oh, category of taste in food corresponding to the flavor of glutamates, especially monosodium glutamate (MSG). Huh. Yeah. Shout out to umami. You know what? Shout outs to Umami. This is uh, hey, your Umami podcast hey coming guys, right at you. Check out my um, oh, my SoundCloud. It's called uh, Umami. It's where I put my rich tunes. Rich tunes. Your MSG my tunes. Just MSG. High laced. in sodium, high in melody, baby. <sighs> uh, that Get was a fucking thick. terrible joke. See how rusty what? we are? My joke was terrible. What? I thought a lot. But the melody. Mm-hmm. I feel like this has already gone off the rails a little bit, but maybe we'll just make this the outro. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're still here, fuck it, man. Who cares? Yeah. How have you been doing? We the, the United States is you know teetering on a COVID lockdown once again, as everybody with a pulse expected. Yeah. And uh, the presidential election is quote unquote over. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, it's been an exciting time in yeah. America. How have you been? How you been? How you been doing? What have you been up to? You know, I haven't actually seen you in a month. Yeah, it's been a minute. Um, well, I was fortunate enough; I got to get a few trips into Joe's. Nice um, for fall break. Yep. Um, you were there for like over three days, weeks. Ten days. Oh, only ten days. Ten days, and it was just so great to be on a trip, and uh, also weird. You yeah. Know? Still weird. Nice um, to go to Joe's though, because that's yes. like I, I know this place. This is a place I go to mm-hmm. all the time. And, and, and food ranch was open again, oh, dude, so that was you, weird to see. Do they still serve? They do the donuts. They still. do do the donuts. Oh my god! Yeah. Um, Did you get one? They are. I can. I can confirm that they are still good. Oh no! But they're not the worst. They are not exactly the same. They Did you not. have a Butterfingers? Mm-hmm. The 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 consistency is different now. They are no. little, they're, they're bigger and heavier. 
This is terrible news for our listeners. I mean, we're <sighs> yeah. definitely a Colorado-centric, and no apologies, yeah. kind of a Rocky Mountain mm-hmm. Western-centric podcast. Yeah. Telling people who adore the food ranch yeah. that the donuts have a different consistency. This is, <laughs> this is not the vibe I Dude, expected from this intro. One thing you cannot... Anyways, if you have never been to Joe's Valley, please, when it is a responsible time to do so, plan a trip there and go um, because it's such a wonderfully character, just like a rich place to go as a climber because you have the freaking smallest rural town like colliding with the greater world that is like cli- like climbing and the the culture like clashing and the funny interactions you see with the locals and the climbers and how they're learning to cope with climbers just existing in this random small town in utah is just a really a treat they've done it too i mean it's been a lot of hard work for people like stephen jeffries and yes you know um climbers who have kind of reached out to the community there i fucking love the way you'll never get looked at in a small community like you get looked at in joe's valley in today's world because back in the day my first trip was 2002 yeah they'd be like why are you carrying a mattress to sleep on on your back (laughs) yeah or they'd be like look at you like you know you're gonna rob my house yeah and now Mm -hmm. the locals know just enough to get in trouble they're like hey that's a nice crash pad uh, you go going traditional climbing? Yeah, and you're like, Damn, just it's enough. so close. Yeah, so close. Yeah. There's, it's such a sweet community. Well, and like, so, first of all, I love when people kind of know a little bit about something. Yeah. But they just know enough to come off as not knowing anything at all of the person they're trying to impress. Like one time we were climbing in a, near Newcastle at this place called Hogwarts, and it's kind of also slightly small town, rural-ish. And this guy saw us like walking to the crowd and he's like, hey, and remember, no splashing. <laughs> I was like, I know what you're trying to say. And it's actually amazing that you understand the concept of spraying, but you calling it splashing is really funny because. <laughs> Holy shit. That's what he's talking he, about. Yeah. Spraying. No spraying. I think I like splashing better. But it was just funny because this guy literally just covered in blue denim, like head to toe cowboy hat. Cowboy boots walked by and was nobody like, likes a splasher. He's like, "Oh, you guys have a good day." And remember, no splashing. <laughs> I'm just oh like, yeah, dude, that's great. Yeah. Um, but what I, I was gonna it. say though is, when you go to Joe's, the vibe you get from this small town is one of very like welcoming, and they're happy you're there. Yeah, and they will want you to be there because Absolutely. it is you know it's becoming an industry for them. Uh, and I had such an opposite experience to that, um, going to 10 sleep in Wyoming. Do you've ever actually gone to the small town of 10 sleep in Wyoming? Yeah. And you go to like the, the local bar, you walk in there and there is like the first thing you see, first of all, gigantic characterized Trump on a mountain holding like a, like a, M16 yeah, like, holding the flag superimposed on superimposed, Rambo's body and you're like all right I feel very comfortable here and then you realize n- literally nobody else in there is wearing a mask and everyone you walk in there also as like literally the only non-white person and everyone is staring at you and making you just feel so welcome <laughs> yeah it seems like a, it seems like you'd feel really welcome in that but you know 
we have an amazing climber to talk about. Yes. And we can save, maybe we can do a sauce night. Yeah. Where we talk more about this stuff and we're drunk at the same time. Yeah. Which would make it a little bit more jovial. Yeah. But what about Molly? Molly, obviously super freaking established and. Established in a hurry too, by the way. In a hurry, yeah. I'm climbing like hard for like seven years. But yeah, she's, she's known for her really hard and scary, uh, trad first ascents. And she is also in a pretty elite circle of people who have trad climbed 514. Yep. Um, seventh woman ever. Seventh woman ever. So just really badass climber. And uh, she, she was recently involved in a climbing accident. So we talked a little bit about that. And uh, she had that really awesome um, uh, piece inside of Climbing Magazine in the most recent issue. So if you haven't read that, we talk about it a bunch. You should definitely check it out because it is really good and it talks a lot about the parallels of trying a hard, scary sport, uh, trad climb and questioning and doubting yourself and also, you know, dealing with, uh, anxiety. Yeah. And she does, you know, she's been very open about her mental health, um, and, you know, dealing with generalized anxiety disorder. And so it's uh, honestly, this episode was, um, for me, it was a little illuminating actually, because, you know, I think. She talked a little bit about how it's really easy to write off things you do as just being who, who like, it's just the way I'm just doing are. it and yeah. not necessarily being able to look at it from an outside perspective and being like, oh, I guess, you know what, maybe this is a, like, why am I doing this behavior and actually figuring out that, oh, I do this because whenever I get like, whenever I have anxiety, this is actually my, like something I do to cope. And it's maybe by addressing the underlying issue, you know? Yeah. So, and it's maybe it's an unhealthy coping mechanism. Yes. yes. And the route that um, kind of dovetailed with the article that she wrote was China Doll. Yeah. She sent China Doll 514A um, on trad after doing it, uh, after going through the whole process, top roping, doing it on bolts, um, thereby becoming the seventh woman to climb trad. And then she had her accident in Boulder Canyon on the same route that Brad Gobright mm-hmm. broke his broke back, his back yeah. and ankle on in safety, safety third. third. Very incredible, incredible real rock film. You guys should watch it. That one, one of the best ever. And also Stumped was in that same season. I, I mean, that might be the best and real that rock one ever. might be the best. Yeah, that one, real rock was so good. It was so good. Margo also climbed uh, Realization. And then you had the classic Chris Sharma section where he's just deep water soloing and he's just like, I don't know, man. Like when I climb, I... I just <laughs> that's the part you, you if you have to take a leak you do it when Sharma's like over the water philosophizing about psycho block um block I don't think about anything else except the rock and and the movement and uh my my shirt shirtless Vahayana uh, meditation um, uh, okay anyway but sorry. our conversation it was really a treat to have Molly on. We've wanted yeah. to have, the only reason Molly hasn't been on uh, that I didn't reach out to her before is because I thought she lived still in Vegas, but she's 30 minutes away. So we reached out to her. She was super psyched. She's in, uh, in a back brace on her bed right now. So she had all the time in the world to talk to us, but what a story, man, to yeah. just to hear her talk about, um, her continued struggle with anxiety, but also the work she's put in, to like really overcome it and to, to find ways to deal with it in a healthy manner. Just un 
so important for climbers and so important right now for yeah. all of us to hear about coping mechanisms for mental health problems because it's a tough year for everybody. Yeah. Everybody is struggling. Have empathy, you know, for your friends. Reach out and talk about how you're feeling because yeah. at this point, it's not being vulnerable anymore. It's just being human. We're all struggling. This yeah. fucking sucks bad. <laughs> I miss the gym every single day. Yeah. But some people miss a family member who they've lost. Yeah. So, or some people miss the job that they were laid off from. So like we're all dealing with so many struggles and hearing Molly kind of talk about how to address those issues yeah. and also talk about badass climbing yeah. that she's just like tearing up right now. Yes. It's, is pretty sweet. It's super inspiring. So should we take it away? Yes. Molly, Molly save us. Save us. Save us from this intro. <laughs> I'd probably lean left Cause social injustice Don't give my respect now Personal so yes, Yeah, who cares? So, so with your back severely injured right now Like, what yeah. have you been up to? You've been watching a lot of shows? <laughs> yeah, I've uh, been watching a lot of Netflix um, Been playing a lot of online games Oh, what are you playing? Um, uh, have you guys heard of Among Us? Oh my god, yes! <laughs> no, what's Among Us? Oh, you would love it, Dave it's so good I'll let it's all... this game that like uh it's like online with random people or, or you can do it with your friends and um it's like 10 people in a spaceship and one of them gets assigned as the impot what's the imposter and yeah. they, their job is to go around and kill people oh. and then everyone else is a crewmate and they have to figure out who the imposter is do you, have you seen the thing dave yeah, John Carpenter. Yeah, yeah, thing. of course. Imagine that is turned into a game, and you can play as the thing, and you want to kill everybody before they figure out it's you, and you win the game. That it's really fantastic. It's really fun. It's, it's really, really crazy. Fun. It's yeah. really addictive. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Definitely, I've definitely like stayed up really late playing it by mistake. <laughs> <laughs> Are you just playing with randos or like? Yeah, my boyfriend and I will play it too. Um, nice. But we have to like, cause like you, it tells you like you know when you start if you're the imposter or not. Yeah. So like we have to like hide our phones so that everybody can see. And then like it's funny because we'll be like playing and like uh, I'll have to say something like like oh I'm done because you have tasks yeah. as a crewmate and so I'll have to like pretend be like oh I'm almost done with all my tasks and meanwhile I'm like killing people. <laughs> Oh my God, that sounds awesome. Yeah, yeah awesome. Yeah. Cool. We were just talking about, and this doesn't even have to be on the podcast. We're just chatting right now. We were talking about shows we're watching. What are you watching right now? Um, I Right now, I actually just started this series. It's not that interesting. Um, it's called Heart of Dixie. Whoa. I don't know why. I know, I know. It's like these like small town. I've been mm. on a binge with these like small town dramatic mm. um, shows. And like I watched this one before it called um sweet magnolias okay, and then i watched yeah. virgin river and they're all like very similar very it's niche. all like small town everyone talks and there's like all this weird drama going on okay yeah. all right whoa yeah. i gotta write that one down <laughs> Heart of Dixie. It's, like, so, it's i just like wanted to show that like um you get like really easily hooked into mm -hmm. and you're like i have to know what happens with this person yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. just you know and passes the time. <laughs> Feedy's been doing yeah, que exactly. Queen's Gambit. Yeah, Queen's Gambit. People have recommended that to me. I me uh, haven't started it, but like, I feel like, isn't it like dark or like emotional or something? I would say it's just like a, it's a, it's a good drama, you know? So if you're, if you like getting invested in characters, it's pretty good. It just follows okay. like this one person's journey to try and become like the uh, world chess champion. 
It's just really well okay. made. Yeah. In the fifties or something? Yeah, it's like set. It's set, it's also set in like the fifties, sixties, so it's cool because it's got some awesome sets and stuff. Yeah. So oh, cool. highly recommend. Well, that sounds good. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, I feel like with those shows, I always hesitate. Cause I'm like, will I be able to relate to this person? Oh you know? man. Yeah. That's a great question. <laughs> like, I feel like, like I never got into game of Thrones. Me neither. Or, like, yeah, I don't know. I'm really weirdly picky with shows like <laughs> that I binge. Dude. Have you seen, I mean, I don't relate to any, literally anybody in the show, even the extras, but have you seen Shit's Creek? No, but that's another one that's been recommended to me too. Oh yeah, it's really funny, right? It is so, like laugh out loud numerous times every episode funny. It's the funniest show yeah. I've seen on Netflix in like five years. Do you get like into like the characters? Like do you like, you know what I'm saying? Or is it just like, or is it like the Simpsons where every episode is different, you know? It's like basically somebody inviting you onto an alien ship and being like, no, these are humans. I swear they're humans, but... <laughs> Like you cannot relate to them. It is okay, fucking yeah. bizarre, and but that's there, what makes it funny. But there is like yeah. an overarching plot, right? I mean, it's, yeah. it's that's like, that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, it's really sweet. Like there are yeah. definitely sweet motifs and like a family coming together, but it's just, it's so goddamn bizarre. And they're like hyper wealthy people who lost all their money and they're stuck in a living in a hotel in some small town. Oh, oh it's just fantastic. Crazy small I like, town. I like that. Yes. Yeah, it's usually dramatic. That's on note. That's on key for what she's been watching. So. I mean, the town is called Shits Creek. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. 400 people there. It's fantastic. <laughs> All right. Well, we could anyway. maybe we could talk about uh, how you ended up in this situation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's have... kick it yeah, off, please. Because uh, that's, that's a pretty <laughs> intense story. Um, slash. <laughs> yeah. I uh, So I had been working on this route called Crank It in Boulder Canyon at Castle Rock. Mm -hmm. And um, it, the extension of it, if you do like the crank it plus the extension is called Viceroy. Yeah. And so it's the route that um, Brad Gobright was trying a few years ago for uh, safety third or in safety third, it showed him trying it. Yeah. And um, (laughs) he actually broke his back on it too. Yeah. Yeah, Um, man. (laughs) From less high up, right? What? He was at twenty he was at twenty feet and you were you were higher when you fell, right? Yeah, I was like thirty five <laughs> or sorry, thirty. I was like thirty feet. Holy crap. Um, oh my god. And uh like I heard when they and you never know, like I when I fell and yeah. I was on the ground and like the um paramedic was like talking to me, like I heard people being like, Oh, she fell like thirty five feet. But looking at it now, I like I analyzed it, I was like, I think it's more like thirty, but yeah, still really high. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, dude. Yeah, he was actually in the I had, I've done the route on the bolts, the um, crank it on the bolts, because it's actually a bolted route. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, at the place where he was at when Brad fell was the low crux, like the biggest. It's so hard. The moves like stumped me for so long. And I spent so long figuring out how to protect it because it's really um, low percentage. It's like this really big dynamic move off of two really bad crimps and a really high awkward right foot. And you have to like dynamically throw into like a, um, like a gas, like a finger lock that where you're like uh, pointer fingers down. Yeah. And it's like an iron cross position that you you end up in where you're like Sounds fully hard. extended. <laughs> and you have to like slot your finger right when you like dynamically go to it, you know? Yeah. So it's just like low percentage. So I spent a while trying to figure out how to protect that really well, knowing Brad had fa- fallen there. And um, uh, my friend Tanner 
Bauer, who is also working yeah. on Viceroy, um, showed me that he used a black totem up, up like a little higher or just like, it's like basically the route, um, has two cracks mm -hmm. and you like start on one crack and then the crux is like you're traversing right to like another crack and that's where the dynamic throw is yeah uh. um and so at the top of that left crack he showed me a placement for a black totem and it was great like i i actually did a bunch of test falls on it um where i would like clip like a long sling to the bolt yeah. and then have it below my pieces of gear and the black totem was like like i had tried other pieces that had ripped out before i asked tanner what he used and um the black totem held every time um yeah. So that was great. I was like, okay. But I still had the pads at the bottom just in case, you know, like I knew Brad's story with it. And so um, I had, I'd been like trying to red point it for like a couple weeks when I um, took my fall and like I um, got through the crux. This was the second time getting through the crux on the gear. And um, yeah, I, I fell at the like third bolt, which is, it's only like, three bolts so yeah. it was like a very um oh man like I was near the top so yeah damn it yeah so what's the deal with the gear on that is it like uh are, is it I mean I've climbed at Castle Rock a million times but I've never obviously even considered Do you know the route that I'm talking about though yeah yeah yeah, yeah for sure yeah. so like the is crack it like a flared is, crack yeah it's it's really flared and like bulging in weird spots and like um kind of just goes like you know, like in and out oh, in yes. weird spots. And um, I, so I actually took a fall up higher. Like I said, I got through the crux once before this, um, before this accident. And um, I fell at that same spot that I fell when I had this accident. And I ripped a couple pieces of gear when I fell. So I reassessed all my gear. I was like, okay, yeah. like I need to, like, this is not right. Like that was scary. Like took a big fall. Holy shit, yeah. Yeah, I was like, okay, that was scary. Like, I need to reassess my gear. So I talked to Tanner again about like what he used. And um, I, we decided we both liked this one nut placement that had actually been like a nut that was stuck there a long time ago. Yeah, so it should But it came out. Um, and uh, we liked this placement because it we knew it had been stuck before. And we were like, okay, this is a great nut, like bomber. It, it was like, you pull yank on it. You're like, okay, yeah. I'm good. Um, and that was right after the crux. That was the first piece we placed right after the crux. And then, um, uh, I also, we also place this like tiny little, like really small nut, um, in a small part of the crack, like just after the crux as well. And that one we were like, meh, like, I don't really think it's great, but like maybe it'll hold, uh, but you have that bomber nut below it. So it's okay. And then you climb a little more and it gets like the problem with this route is like, there aren't really any amazing rests. Like there's like little mini rests, but like you're just getting so pumped, like laybacking on that crack. Yeah. Um, and I mean, when I was working it on the sport version too, I, I fell at the top a couple times as well, just because it's so pumpy. Like you don't expect it to be so pumpy until you're climbing it on point. Yeah. Um, and cause the moves by themselves are like, okay, besides that crux move anyways. But um, so then like I climbed a little higher and was like doing my mini shakes in this like really terrible rest and um, placed um, a purple totem, which mm -hmm. is what Tanner told me that he's, he placed, um, but he's never fallen on it. And um, so, and he even told me once that he couldn't get it right when he was trying to place it. Cause it's just like 
it's kind of a blind like placement where you're laying back trying to like rest and like and then you have to place this purple totem where your best hold is yeah so um he like told me that he bailed once when he was trying to place it and just like clipped a um a bolt and was like all right forget it like which is (laughs) crazy to think about you know being on point and being like no i'm gonna bail because i I can't get right um and uh but i mean good call for him totally uh, so I, I, we placed that. And then I also found this really tiny, um, RP placement just below that, um, oh, that I thought was like maybe better. Like I thought it was better than, um, the pieces that I had that had ripped previously, which were not the purple totem or the, um, or that RP. And the other two below it were a little bit different too, just because I was like, I need to reassess all my gear. And so, um, after talking with Tanner and like looking at everything, I was like, yeah, this looks good. Um, the one, the tiny nut placement that I had told you about was like, that we didn't really think was awesome. was like, kind of just like a, well, might as well place it, you know? Um, and the RP, I was like, this is really good. Like I got it like kind of stuck when I was trying, when I was testing it out, like I placed it and then would like, like pulled on it a bunch, yanked on it a bunch and I couldn't get it out for a bit. (laughs) I was like worried I would have to leave it. So I was like, this is totally bomber. Um, (laughs) and the, uh. And the, uh, the, t- the purple totem, like it looks good. Like that's the weird thing about this crack. Like everything looks good. Yeah. And like, you can like, you can weight the gear, like taking on it, but then a dynamic fall, it just rips right yeah. out. Um, so yeah, what happened is I, um, was basically my waist was at my purple totem and the tiny RP and I fell, I was like doing like kind of a, not a dynamic move, but just like a tiny little throw to an upper part of the crack. And one of my, uh, my right foot slipped. And I fell and those two pieces popped out and all like both of the other two nuts popped out as well. Oh my God. That's a nightmare situation. The reason why that first bomber nut that I was like, Oh, it's bomber fell out is because the rope tension from the upper piece is ripping. Like, you know, the the purple totem ripped. Yeah. And at the same time, that's tiny RP ripped. Um, That other nut, we were like, I'm pretty sure it's going to rip anyway. And then the rope tension pulled the bomber nut up and out before it even got a chance to be weighted. Oh, man. Oh, my so, God. Yeah. Well, yeah. gosh. So, I mean, you've taken your <laughs> Sorry, fair I share. I like, so many little details. No, no, no. It's good calling. to know. <laughs> we're, no, we're nerds, yeah, dude. We're we want to hear all the details. But, so, you've taken your fair share of scary trad climb falls. Um, yeah. At what point were you kind of like, hmm, this is a little different? <laughs> Or well, I don't know. <laughs> I, so the greatest part about this, well, not the greatest part. I mean, it's <laughs> bolted. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I did test a bunch of the gear and even the gear that I told you ripped out that first time that I fell above the crux when I didn't hit the ground, yeah. but the other time <laughs> um, I had tested like clipping a bolt below and falling on and yes, it held and, it held, yeah. and then it didn't hold when I was climbing on point. Mm. So there are a few factors. Like I've obviously thought about it a lot and I feel like um, there are a few factors like probably didn't account for the fact that like I said like the there's like a crack and then like it goes horizontal and then it goes like into another crack so the rope's kind of at a weird angle um and it's at a weird angle when you're placing the gear especially like when it's not climbing it on the bolts you know um and when I was testing it I just clipped a bolt below and the rope was probably not in the same spot as it was when I was Mm. leading it on gear oh yeah just like crazy and then like I'm sure like you know it's possible that I didn't place the purple totem exactly correct too, mm-hmm. because, um, it's incredibly specific, like, um, and, and it's hard to place there too. And like, I remember Tanner and I talking about like, Oh, you want it to be like at this perfect little angle, but 
I mean, I've even placing the gear that I used to use before um, I like would practice placing it and like would just not be able to like replicate the same placement that I got before. Yeah. Oh, it's just dude. so specific and like um, the dynamic movement of, you know, or yeah, falling on it dynamically is just so different than like yanking on it or taking on it. And yeah. So let's go through when all the gear rips. This is like your first big injury, right? Yeah. In climbing. Yeah. The only other really, which is actually funny, funny enough, also involved Brad Gobright in a weird way. Um, I broke my nose in Yosemite hiking. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. I was like hiking down from these, uh, this boulder that my friend and I were trying to find. We gave up. It was like in the talus and I like was walking down and my foot slipped. It was kind of mossy and um, slick rock and my foot slipped. So I grabbed this tree to the right of me. And then at the same time that I grabbed the tree, my other foot slipped. So I pulled my face directly into the tree. Oh. <laughs> and, Sorry to laugh. And, yeah, I heard this loud like crack and I was like, oh my God. And all this blood started shooting out of my nose. Oh. And I, like, we, we run down the hill and Yosar is like right, the tents for Yosar are right there. And they're like, oh my God, is everything okay? And like Brad is sitting there oh, too. Yeah. It's like, and like, I'm just like so embarrassed that I'm like crying because I just broke my nose hiking. Dude, you know, hiking, and, and underrated. Like, you know, Brad was like an awesome climber. So it was like, um, yeah, it was pretty embarrassing. Well, but anyway, yeah. So after the fall. So yeah, the, uh, what, did you have the wherewithal? Like, do you have a memory... I know these memories, like you're going to have like these little flashbacks that make you cringe for like the next 10 years, just thinking about it. But totally. I actually d- watched a video of someone oh. trad climbing the other day and I like, like jolted when they fell on their gear. Like I was just like, Oh my God. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Dude, it, it's, it brought back that feeling, you know? Yeah. It's a, it's a mental struggle to come back from this stuff. But do you, do you remember the moment of falling and having the realization that like I'm decking? Or were you just on the ground? Um, I like felt the the first pieces rip. Yeah. Um, and I was like, well, like in my head, you know, I was really confident that that nut was so bomber. Yeah, right. Um, and I was just like, oh, I'm falling, I'm falling. And then it was really just hit the ground. And I was like, like, I mean, I fell onto the, my saving grace with this fall was that I fell onto one of the crash pads we had oh. for the beginning. Yeah. So I fell onto my butt onto the crash pad and it definitely like took the wind out of me, you know, like you like yeah. hunch, like, cause yeah. you're like, yeah. Oh God, it was the, it was so painful. And I started to like hyperventilate. Like I was freaking out. Cause you know, you're like, you're also like, Oh my God, I just died. I just died. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like it's such a heavy, um, thought. And so, yeah, I started to like hyperventilate. I was like, I leaned to the side and I don't even remember like saying this, but I watched, I've watched the video that we have of it. Oh yeah. And like at the end of the video, I'm just like, or like when I cut it off, I'm like, um, I'm just like, I lean over to the side after I fell and I'm just like, Oh no. Oh no. Yeah. Like, out. I mean, um, did you feel yeah, then, any, did you feel any acute pain or were you just in shock at that point? I think like I felt, I I'm pretty sure I felt the pain because I was, I immediately grabbed my back. You know? Oh God. Yeah, I. But you know what? It ran through my head like the breaking the back because Brad yeah, and yeah. I just like heard of people getting compression fractures from falling onto your butt like that. You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I was like, my back, my back, and then I just like I I knew I hurt my back because I just laid there in the same position, 
um, and didn't move because I know like with spinal yeah, stuff, good call. Shouldn't move. Absolutely. Um, and then Tanner, um, or this guy that was watching actually, um, he was like, do you want me to go call 911? And he drove out to call 911 because we don't have service yeah. there. Um, and then Tanner, who was belaying me actually, um, was really great. He, um, like he sat with me and like held my hand and was like, it's going to be okay. But like, you, like you're going to be fine, but you have to calm down. And I was like, I don't know. That just computed really well in my head. I was like, okay, I have to calm yeah. down. Like I will be okay if I stay yeah. calm. Man. Yeah. So. so you say you have the footage. I mean, how yeah. hard was that to like actually open up and be like, okay, I'm going to watch this and it's yeah. going to be, cause you, when you watch somebody else decking, you, oh, cringe, you cringe. I, I can't take it, but then it's you doing it. And you're like, I remember this moment. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I think it just makes me like the hardest part. I think I watched it actually like the next day or yeah. day after that or something. Um, when I was on like painkillers and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best way to watch it. Yeah, you're like, I'm just going to do this, you know. Um, <laughs> might as well like rip off the band aid. Um, and I think that like my. Uh, my gut reaction was just like, I, I don't want to lis- listen to this. Like, it was so painful to listen to. Yeah. yeah. The hardest yeah. part. And I don't remember like saying like, oh no, oh uh-huh. no, like screaming like that. Like, I mean, it was all such a blur at that moment. So yeah, it was just really hard to listen to. But then um, times I've watched it after that, I just mute it. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, Are you going to share it? Uh, yeah, we we haven't figured out exactly how, but I'm, eventually we will for sure. We, um, we can whip her. <laughs> I know. Um, well, the the interesting thing is that we've actually um, my boyfriend Tori is um, does film, mm-hmm. and uh, he has been filming the whole process of it. Cool. Okay. So um, we have it on in HD. Oh, dude! <laughs> just all the glory. Just well, let's yeah, talk no. about somebody else in this in this uh, scenario. What what happened? At, like, how's Tanner doing? I mean, I know right. you're the one that got injured, but that's like literally somebody sticking a dagger in your brain watching your partner deck when you're holding the belay oh device, you know? Yeah. Oh my I God. I felt so guilty. Like, um, no, no. <laughs> like, uh, I, well, like I deal with a lot of anxiety, like, mm-hmm. um, and I just tend to feel guilty about things and I'm hard on myself. And so one of the main things that I was thinking about when I was laying there waiting for the ambulance was just, I just feel so guilty. Like, I just feel yeah. like, I didn't have to do this and like, um, like I should have known better and like just beating myself up and that I was going to put a major strain on a lot of people because of this. And it was just really like, I felt so bad for Tanner and I reached out to him after I got out of the hospital and he of course was like, Oh my God, don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, he, he was really great. Like even watching in the film, like he tries to take in slack oh, and like, yeah. there's just no hope. Like the pieces were way too low. <laughs> yeah. There's um, nothing to do. No, yeah, but he did what what um he he tried you know he really tried yeah what he could um and uh, and he was like asking me too he was like um do you mind if I see the footage I just want to check out like the gear and the belay and I was just like immediately like oh god I hope you don't you're not blaming yourself for this yeah <laughs> <laughs> like please do not because you yeah. did everything right yeah. and like you're an awesome belayer and like it was absolutely not your fault yeah. yeah. <laughs> definitely my fault and i just i definitely like let those things weigh on me a lot like i mean for the first week when i was like in so much pain too and no one knew about it yet like i was just feeling like um yeah like like i'm such an idiot and i i it was all my fault you know and 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 i mean it is my fault but like 
I, I just like was more thinking about like, I don't know, just that everyone's going to hate me and like, it's going to affect so many other people. And yeah. I mean, I don't think it is your, this is climbing. I mean, yeah. I, I hate to say that and to be flippant about it, but the truth is we put ourselves, I mean, how many times in your climbing career have you walked away from a crag and being like, ah, I should be fucking dead right now. You know, like, cause <laughs> okay. you make a, a mistake. Or... I'm thinking about those times where I'm like, well, I was so stupid. <laughs> I know. And yeah. we escape like 99% of the time we walk mm -hmm. away with everything intact. And in two hours, we're having a beer with our friends. Like, uh, you know, we don't like even think about yeah. exactly. But the truth is fate is a fucking fickle little bastard. And we're saved mm -hmm. just by chance and just by chance. Right. But sometimes it's fucking, it doesn't work that way. And it's not your fault. Yeah. You're pushing the envelope like you should be doing, dude. Thanks. No, I appreciate that. I, um, I think too, like, I mean, I definitely got like, I actually was expecting more. I, I got like one or two, um, comments about like, well, why would you do this then? You know, like, yeah. Yeah. um, and that's always like, or like trying to get one, one guy sent me this really long message trying to convince me that basically what I love about like head pointing and stuff is just like, it's not as cool as I think. And I shouldn't be doing this. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. how, how does this experience, how has it, because I'm sure, like you said, like you're, you're home now and there's not much you can do except be with your thoughts. And just, I'm, I wonder how that has like, how you've been thinking about, you know, the style of climbing, like what your thoughts are on, or how it's changed, if anything. Yeah. I, I mean, Part of me, like when I first hit the ground, I'm not gonna lie, like I was looking up at that route and I was like, I never want to rock climb again. Like I was just like going to jumping to all these conclusions. Yeah. I don't ever want to see this route again. Like I don't want to do it. Like um, I don't want to rock climb anything ever again. Like I'm gonna do a whole different career path. Um, and uh, but no, I think like as time has gone on and, and talking to friends a lot too helps. Like even just talking to you guys right now, like people are reminding me, like like you know that it's not you're not a bad person for like wanting to do things that are you know dangerous like yeah. and that's something that's always attracted me about the sport is like the not necessarily the danger but the mental aspect of it and that's why i love like doing these kind of routes where it's like you have to figure everything out and i spent so long trying to figure everything out perfectly um yeah. and then and then like trust yourself and go for it and um yeah i don't know i just have always loved that and I think something that really resonates with me too is uh, I saw Robin Herbisfield after the accident, um, and she she actually found out like right as it was happening, <laughs> <laughs> or like right after like when I was in the ambulance on the way down. I I saw or when I got to the hospital, I saw my phone. It was like missed calls from Robin, and I was like, wait, how did she find out? Um, wow. And it was because <laughs> Tanner he is actually I think sixteen or seventeen. And he had called um, one of the Team ABC kids and been like, oh my gosh, this just happened. And I need someone to come help me get the rest of the gear. And so the, the team kid was at practice and told Robin. Um, anyways, she was like messaging with Tori, who's my boyfriend. Mm -hmm. And I guess she asked him at some point, like, um, well, what do you think of like, you know, like her doing this or whatever? And he was like, this is what she loves to do. So it's yeah. like, I love that. Cause it's just very like, okay. Like that. Yeah. Like that it is. It's just like, it's not me trying to do anything like 
I don't know. I'm not trying to do it for any other reason that, than that. I just, I love it. Yeah. And so, um, I feel like I'd rather live by things that I'm excited about doing than not. So totally. Yeah. And also, I mean, you're mitigating, you're obviously like totally dedicated to mitigating all the risk possible. Thanks. Right? I mean, yeah, there's no. only so much I, you can do. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, it's not like I was like, okay, like let's try and onsite this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Like we I would be still, having I mean, a different conversation right now. Absolutely. And I would be like a hundred percent like, um, yeah, I don't know. I would be much more like trying to, um, <laughs> figure out how, how this is going to go from here. Yeah. yeah. Um, but no, I think that like, yeah, I do try to mitigate the risk as much as possible. I've been working on the route since May. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't like, I was just like, oh yeah, like, like I tested gear, you yeah. know, like I, I tried everything I could. And, um, definitely at the end, maybe should have like really looked at those pieces more, but I also, um, just from my experience on the route was confident with it. So, yeah, Yeah, I mean, and that's, that's one thing, like just to touch on that a bit more is like, you do have such a good strategy for trying to do these scary trad climbs, you know, like you, you like just going back to like China doll where you, um, did you initially top rope it? I think, or yeah, yeah. Yeah, So you, you, you top roped it and then you let it on sport. And then you start trying, you know, it's just like, it, it makes sense. Like it's, you cannot approach that in a, in a more caught, like thoughtful way, I guess. Exactly. Right? Like, exactly. So yeah, yeah you yeah, do everything you can. Um, I appreciate that a lot. Uh, there, like, I, I thought this climb would kind of be similar to that in the way that, uh, it's bolted exactly. and you can't the top rope. The only thing with the top rope, um, versus sport climbing it was it was really I realized pretty quickly it was really hard to do that dynamic move to the side on a top rope. <laughs> yeah. Because the bolt where it would be the directional was like right at my chest. Oh. And so like you, you want to unclip that before you do the move, but then if you fall you're like, ah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like pulling you to the side and yeah, it was really hard. So okay. I did on the bolts, but um but yeah, I, I mean it was safe on the bolts. I mm-hmm. even placed a piece of gear because kind of a little bit run out from the last bolt to the top. So I, I pre-placed a piece of gear for the sport version. Um, and then, you know, obviously was going to place it as I went, as I let it on gear, um, uh, between the last bolt and the, and the anchor. How different is the experience of climbing something on sport and then climbing it on trad? Like how, like, how would you describe what you, what you, the reason why you pursue it, right? Cause there's this X factor that makes it so much more rewarding to you. So I'm just kind of curious what that, what that feels like to you. Or... Yeah, it's so different. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for no. This is a great question. Like this got me excited because this is like what I love about climbing is the difference between climbing something on yeah. bolts and climbing it on gear. Like, and I think that's why I like this process too because it's really very apparent. Um, yeah. Everything like I was so so scared the first few times, just like even like being like I. I mean, I broke it down into sections too. Like I would be like, okay, I'm gonna like lead this on the gear and then like clip this next bolt, you know, um, to like try to get used to climbing it on gear because it just felt so insecure. And that same with China doll, it was that one scary section at mm-hmm. the beginning of the 13 C where like you could fall and potentially really hurt yourself. It's like, everything feels more insecure. You're yeah. over gripping. Yeah. Um, and it's like, you think that like, you'd be like, Oh, well I've climbed it on yeah. the bolt. do it. But what, especially when it's that like really slick granite, you're like, no, like I, I need to like, you try to control everything. And so you have to find like the balance eventually between like controlling everything as much as you can and then just letting everything be. 
Um, and I like that balance, especially for someone who has anxiety and like, yeah. it's kind of like a lesson. Like I do try to control everything in my regular life. And so you do have to learn to let go of it and learn to like be okay with that unknown fear yeah. of unknown. Yeah. Awesome. Wow, dude. Well, I want to just to talk one more thing about the accident. Yeah. So, um, when you're in the ambulance and you're going to the hospital, nobody's told you exact, like given you a proper diagnosis yet. I'm sure you're probably thinking, well, my back's broken. I fucking seen it. Brad broke his back <laughs> in a major motion picture. Um, yeah. and when you get it, like after the doctors come in and give you your diagnosis, I want to know, like, were you feeling relief? Were you, were you still scared? Because that, a, a compression fracture on your vertebrae is like an amazing diagnosis. Mm -hmm. I mean, con all things considered, with a caveat, you're so lucky. Yeah. You're so lucky. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And that definitely, that lucky thing, like, um, I, I, I don't know how I got so lucky. <laughs> it's just climbing. It, there's yeah, no rhyme it, or reason to this stuff. Yeah. Um, no, but like, so in the ambulance, um, Tanner couldn't go with me because of COVID. So oh, right. like, it was just me and the lady giving me all the drugs. Um, <laughs> <laughs> give me that lady's number. I need to talk to her. <laughs> yeah. I was like, well, and they like, apparently when you have a back injury or a spinal injury, they can't give you morphine. Mm. So for some reason it like does something, but, um, Hmm. So they gave me fentanyl. And I remember when they, like, I was laying on the ground, I was yeah. like, you're giving me fentanyl. Like, that's so scary. Like, I yeah. hear that, you know, like in the news, like, oh my God. But um, it's actually not. Um, and it does wear off in like 15 minutes. So, like, every like 15 minutes, I'd be looking at her and be like, yo, give me some more of that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in pain. I need a hit. Um, and then I, I actually, on a more serious note, I actually, like, when we got into the ambulance, um, you know, like I said, all those guilty things were running through my head too. Like, oh, uh, like, putting like everyone through this. And, um, I asked the woman, like I was tearing up and she asked me, she was like, she's like, are you crying because you're in pain? Or are you crying because you're sad? And I was like, cause I'm sad. <laughs> and, um, and then I was like, do you think like, what do you think? Like, honestly, like, uh, oh, God. of like, like, what do you think is going on? Like happened? And she was like, honestly, I think you got really lucky. She's like, I think maybe like a hairline fracture yeah. or something. Um, I was like, okay, all right. So I kind of held on to that hope as I went through the rest of the process, which was good. Um, and when I got there and like the doctor, like, you know, they bring you into the trauma room and um, put you on this thing where they like turn you over a few times and like feel a bunch of stuff in your back and like nothing really hurt except like the one spot down in my lower back. So oh, yeah, I got really lucky that I didn't like shatter my pelvis or something yeah. too. Um, but yeah. To the crash so, pad. Yeah. Then it was just kind of like a waiting game. And then the doctor came in and, and he really explained it very casually that, you know, like, oh, you have, he said two compression fractures. And um, I think actually what, what it was, was one compression fracture, because I just got x-rays done again recently, one compression fracture, and then one, like, must have been a very microscopic fracture, because it looks healed now. So, nice. Um, okay. yeah, so it's just this one little vertebrae that is now smushed. <laughs> wow, but no but, surgery is just No surgery, incredible. nothing yeah, and there was like no risk for paralysis, like anything, yeah. you know, like getting into nerves or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it was really good. But then I also just, you know, I felt the same amount of guilt and and like uh, like I was like we talked about, just like irresponsible. Even though rationally, I I do think I went about it a very responsible way. It's hard not to let your mind slip into mm -hmm. that when all these things are happening. So 
Yeah, I think that's normal though to feel that way. Yeah. Um, have you talked to anybody about who has injured themselves in kind of like the acute way that you did? Because when you, you know, when you think about what's wrong on the inside of your body, it like makes you nauseous a little bit. You're like, ooh, gross! Yes, like I have a broken thing in my back. I know, like your back, like it's so weird. <laughs> exactly. So, like, but you're gonna yeah. be healed in like two weeks. You're out of the brace, right? Yeah, uh, three weeks. Yeah, three as long weeks. as everything keeps healing right, which I think it is. And there's really no pain. It's just like a little achy here and there, but that's it. Um, uh, yeah, I have talked to, uh, you know, who was really awesome and reached out to me is, um, Emily Harrington, yeah, um, because of her fall last year too. And, and like, definitely like feeling that same, like just overwhelming feeling of like feeling guilty, feeling, you know, sad, feeling whatever. Um, anyways, she reached out to me and it was really sweet because, um, I mean, she's someone that I'm inspired by. So oh, fuck yeah. for her to for her to reach out and, and tell me that she was also inspired by me. It was really sweet. No, that's one I remember for sure. Um, and then tons of other people have reached out to me, which has been awesome. Um, this one girl reached out to me who is a backpacker. I think her name is Bren or something. Mm -hmm. And, um, she, uh, was in a halo recently. Um, and recent and like was supposed to be like a quadriplegic from her accident or whatever. And and she's okay now. So it's kind of that similar thing of like, feeling like you almost got lucky when you don't really feel like you deserve it, you know? Yeah. 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 That's complicated feelings. Yeah. It's <laughs> it's like, it's these like, yeah, definitely like up and down feelings. Yeah. And like, like even just feeling like, Oh, I'm so lucky. But then feel like I feel down sometimes, you know, when I'm just like doing nothing all day and feel like purposeless and I'm like, well, you should feel lucky. <laughs> so It's hard. Yeah. Oh, fuck man. I mean, you took a fall, you like, and you're going for something rad. I, I, it's just like nothing to apologize for. No reason to feel guilty at all. I, I think, yeah. I think most everybody is looking at the way you're dealing with your accident and that you're like getting after it and crushing it. It's inspiring. Thank I know you. that's like illogical to think about that somebody gets <laughs> injured, but that's a tool so to like, ins- <laughs> it's true. If you can come back, cause coming back is like kind of a scary thing. Yeah. But I then- haven't really, like we talked about, I haven't, I mean, I like, it's weird that I haven't climbed in like almost, well, it will be two months when I'm healed. Yeah. Um, and I don't really know like what I'll be able to do as far as like, um, if I can just climb right away or if I need yeah. to like take it really easy or slow. Uh, but anyways, like, it's weird. I like right now I'm like, yeah, I could just climb normally because it just feels like, like that's been like my natural thing. But thinking about all the time I've been taking off, like, I don't know where I'm going to be physically, like mentally. I have no idea. I mean, I, I got scared watching someone fall on perfectly safe gear the other day. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I don't really do too much shred climbing, but even as a, baby sport climber like for me it takes a while to build up you know my confidence to like run things out you know and i can only imagine for you it's by taking this fall you're kind of gonna have to really start to rebuild that confidence in your gear and you're like yeah so that's gonna be <laughs> it's hard for me to think about falling on gear right now yeah without also feeling that feeling of it pulling out yes. of the rock yes. you know yeah, because you've like, you've experienced it's a weird that. thing. Like I just like like it's it's this 
innate feeling in my body now of mm-hmm. it, of that being pulled out. <laughs> so when yeah, I, I uh, when I was in, um, we kind of chatted about this, that I fractured a vertebrae in my spine and I actually shattered my tib fib at the same time in a fall. And that was a long road to recovery. And I felt the same way as you. It was like, yeah, we're in a foreign country yeah. and all my yeah, friends. In India. I know. I was like, wait, how does that? Oh gosh. It was not good. Yeah. <laughs> it was not driving to, uh, on dirt roads with a shattered leg in a fucking tuk tuk is not fun. But anyway, um, I remember coming back and yeah, I'm not going to lie to you. It is super, super scary, but holy cow. Looking back on the experience, I just want to tell you this, like maybe a little bit what you're looking towards. It is so amazing that one day when you're so afraid, those first times you're climbing, because you just keep having flashbacks, flashbacks, flashbacks. Yeah. And then one day it's just like, it literally just disappears. And you're like, oh my God, I'm not afraid anymore. Um, Yeah, I love that. I've kind of like felt a little bit inspired by watching other people's stories where they've overcome stuff like this. Um, and I feel like honestly too, like um, the break has probably pr- been pretty good for me because I haven't taken this long of a break from climbing in a while. Yeah. And I do think when you take a break and, and from something, regardless of why you come back with it with like just a way more open mind of like your ability um, and like where, like, I don't know, you just appreciate everything more. So then like it kind of opens your mind to pushing yourself further mm-hmm. and, whatever. I think it'll be good for me in the long run. It just is boring right now, but that's not the end of the world. (laughs) Dude. And another crazy thing is like every, um, climber of like ability that I've ever seen who's been injured. I can't think of one who doesn't come back way fucking stronger. Every single time, every injured climber, they go through trauma and you're like, oh my God, I wonder if they'll ever be the same. This is the same for like soccer players yeah. and football players. You're like, will they ever be the same? Yeah. They're always come back raging way, way harder. It's amazing. Yeah. I think, like I said, like it, it's kind of like it definitely is like a fresh start in a way that yeah. you're way more motivated and excited to do stuff. And um, yeah, just thinking about my climbing now, like, like, days when I would not be that excited to go to the crag and stuff. It's like right now I'd be so excited. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. So like, top rope five eights, you'd just be doing cartwheels. Just the movement is like, like watching climbing movies. Now I'm like watching the movement oh. of climbing. And it's so cool to watch like from this perspective, especially because like it's, it just seems like this foreign thing that like you're just dancing. It's cool. I don't know yeah. how to describe it, but it definitely has a different feeling now watching climbing right now than it does normally. You, normally it just kind of reminds me of like, like I'm, am I that strong or like, can I do that or yeah. whatever? What do you think that hold feels like? But now it's just like you watch the movement of the body and it's pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, like, I think it's easy when you're climbing to look at those and like, you know, like I'm always trying to get stronger and, and mm-hmm. get better. And like, so it's easy to look at those when I'm in it and just be like, kind of comparing yourself to a little, you know, Yeah. Um, not in like a negative way, but just like, it's cool to look at the video and not have those, those thoughts just kind of just have a, like a completely blank page, like a different perspective. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's when you watch them, you're almost like analytical 
like, oh God, could I do that? Do I need to train harder? That looks pretty yes, amazing. Exactly. Do I book my yes. flight? I fucking super. But then when you're injured, yeah, you're just, <laughs> when you're injured, you're just like, oh my God, I am in the raddest sport in the world. You don't even think about that stuff. Yes, exactly. Sometimes so you forget cool. what a yeah. badass sport. I feel like, like, I'm, it's like you're able to connect with it almost like in, a, in like a closer way because you're just appreciating it so much more. Mm-hmm. Um, and like the, per- what the person's going through the whole story of it. So yeah, it's, it's like it's getting beautiful. your innocence back almost like you yeah, don't have any of that exactly jaded right. shit. It's just like, we're going to take all of those you're jaded. Yeah. yeah. And now you're just that kid who saw climbing for the first time ever. And you're fascinated. I know. You I get to go like, back there. I literally typed into Go- or into YouTube the other day, climbing. <laughs> just, just give me the raw, anything, anything. I just want to see it. <laughs> no, but like, I mean, I, I can't tell you the last time. I was probably like when I first started climbing, when I did that last. So <laughs> That's so yeah. cool. Yeah, man. Injuries do crazy things to you. But you're going to come yeah. back stronger than ever. Like I have hey. no doubt in the world. Um, yeah. But let's talk about something else that has happened to you while you've been injured is that you had that climbing article come out which where is it where's the magazine oh it's on the the table over here is that the one got it right here yeah buddy (laughs) my subscription um so you were really open and honest can you tell us a little bit about the genesis of writing this article for climbing magazine which is called i forgot the name not good enough yeah. Um, so I actually talked to Matt Salmon about it um, back last October, I believe. And he's the one who really helped. He really helped me like push myself while I was writing it. Um, I mean, it started out completely different and it was more just like me telling like the honest, authentic story of, of me climbing China doll, but not really all this like background um, and how it ties into the route and like what I, the lessons that I learned while I was climbing the route and how they applied. It was just like, it, it became way more clear when he, he was, as he was pushing me to dig deeper that so many more things were connected than I thought originally. Yeah. 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 Well, did, then did Matt push you to talk about how you've struggled with anxiety or generalized no, anxiety disorder? That that be, we always knew that was going to be a part of the piece. I mean, that's kind of what we bonded about when we first talked about it uh, last October was like, oh, like you struggle with anxiety too. I do. And like um, I I already kind of made these, these parallels between um, just when I was climbing the route and like the things that I learned um, with my, with my psychologist <laughs> in therapy. And so those were kind of already there, but then digging back into my childhood and like seeing the connections with that as well, um, that those were like more developments that I feel like he helped me realize because he just really wanted detailed like experiences from my childhood that really represented and showed like my transition, like just how, you know, this came about and, um, the triggers for it and how, like, like how I act acted or still act sometimes really mimics like, um, that, you know, really scared, vulnerable middle schooler. (laughs) So what, what do you think are some pretty big like misconceptions in our society about anxiety? I mean, um, I think that like for me, 
I so I'm the first person in my family to really do too much about like mental health or just address, especially my immediate family. Um, So at first it was just kind of like this thing of I think that with with anxiety and mental health in general, people think that you need to be like visibly at rock bottom to be struggling, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that for me, I was doing really well in school and, you know, had a job and had friends. So my, like my parents and, and I'm sure a lot of people were like, no, you're fine. Like it's fine. Yeah. Um, but I didn't feel fine. And so yeah. um, I just think that like people don't always appreciate that like the level at which someone cannot show something like that. Uh, yeah. And it comes out in ways that you wouldn't really expect, like obsessing, um, trying to control everything. The obsessing for me would be like the worst. Like I just like, um, would get caught on every little thought and it would just be like a spiral. Um, and I just kind of thought that that was me and and that's how I, I had to handle my life. Yeah. But because I've never really, I mean, I didn't know, it always sounded like kind of like an excuse, you know? Yeah. So um, but then like really talking to a psychiatrist and understanding the diagnosis of, of what, of generalized anxiety disorder, it's like, no, that's not, it's not you, you know, it's, it's good to like, um, be able to separate that and understand that it's something that you suffer from and that can be treated. Mm-hmm. But it took a while to accept that. And even after I was diagnosed, um, cause I think like, like I said in the article, um, when they say the term generalized anxiety disorder, it really doesn't make you feel like anything's wrong. At first, <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. Like, yeah, it seems so. It seems so kind of broad. Here's or, your, yeah, we exactly. diagnose you with casual anxiety disorder. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay, so like I I'm being a baby about it or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that just took a while. I even like I started a medication with that psychiatrist and. It definitely worked for a bit, but then like looking back now, I'm like, wow, it really wasn't the perfect fit of medication for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it really like I started to slip back in my old ways pretty quickly. And like I think that because, you know, like medication, just being on medication, the acceptance of being on medication is so new still. Yeah, um, for real. That, like there's still a stigma around it. I was just like my doctor or my uh, psychiatrist had explained this medication, which is called Lexapro as um being mm-hmm. like the most like least side effects like best one for me and so i was just like well this is as good as it's gonna get mm-hmm. um and uh and then it was only actually this year at the beginning of this year that i saw a new psychiatrist from the recommendation of that therapist that i was talking to and helped me while i was working on china doll especially and switched to a different one and it's like a world of difference so it's crazy that like i was just so like in this pigeonhole of like this is the only option for me yeah um and just also thinking like what i have to deal with isn't that bad and i shouldn't be like so um like using it as an excuse you know it's just it's just it's sometimes it can just feel so difficult to even have an idea of how to approach you know like mental health i guess like you know that you're like okay i have this diagnosis but like i have this one person i can kind of that is my psychologist but I don't know. It's it just seems it is it is something that's difficult to really get a a concrete answer like what 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 should I be doing right now? Yeah, um, and you do have to try stuff sometimes. Yeah. That yeah. doesn't work. Um but I think again like for me um that psychiatrist is like different than the one I'm seeing now that changed me on the medication and 
she's just really like it's really about finding the right person i think yeah that's just like like uh checking in with you constantly and like not just like oh this will help and like um assuming that anything else that pops up it's like situational or something you know like like she i would constantly tell her because we had to try several different doses to figure out what the right one was yeah um and i would constantly tell her like just even little things and she would be like grateful for me telling her like i told her like at one dose i was just very um obsessive with little things like i just would get so hooked on little things like for example um i ordered a lot of clothes during quarantine mm-hmm. um because what else are you gonna do yeah. <laughs> online and um i would try them on and i would obsess over if they fit me or not like i would just obsess like not just normal like oh like haha i don't know if this fits but like i would ask everyone in my house all my roommates i'd ask my boyfriend and then i'd like ask them again like later like i would just like it would keep popping up in my head randomly like it would keep me up at night being like oh should i get the small or medium um (laughs) which is crazy but um even just telling her little things like that it's like oh that is like a manifestation of anxiety and so like let's adjust this it's just helpful to be so openly communicative with a doctor like that man well um i guess you know i know that you want to be a part of mental health advocacy for climbers and you know all of society but you have an influence in climbing right now i think a lot of people look at I like mental health in America is like the least stigmatized out of all of the countries in the world. I think right now, like America's got it pretty good, but it's still stigmatized, maybe not as much as other places. So what would be your advice if somebody is feeling like they're struggling with an anxiety disorder or uh, chronic depression or something like that? And they're afraid or hesitant to seek help because for any variable, whether it be fear of knowing of getting diagnosed or um, misbegotten shame, right? That they're that it's their fault. What would be your advice towards somebody who's waffling about like just talking to accounts, talking to a therapist, mm-hmm. going to a doctor? I think that well, okay. Personally, I think that everyone should have a check-in with a therapist at some point. Yeah. Um, I just think it's like, it should be kind of like going to the doctor and it's not like a bad thing to go to therapy. Like um, it's just someone that you can talk to that you can trust hundred percent. And like they're, you know, it's confidential and they're just there to help you. So I think it would, it's just helpful in that way. Just to, I would like people to just be more accepting of just going to therapy at first and then talk to the therapist about like, if they think that maybe medication would be an option and if they have a referral for a psychiatrist. I also think like, like for me, um, I think it's really important to surround myself with people that I feel like I can talk to openly. Um, and like, I can tell them like, just like, Oh, I'm having an anxious day today, you know? Um, just so that they understand what, like the tone and the mood I'm in. Um, And so I think like having friends like that is really important and even climbing partners too. Like I need to be able to tell people that I'm climbing with, like if I'm not feeling awesome or my head is in a certain place. Um, but it can be hard. I mean, especially if you're like younger and like you have to talk to your parents about it, uh, it can be so hard, but I think approaching it as, as like an open conversation of like, this is what I'm going through. And, and I'd really just like to talk to a professional just to, you know, check things out and make sure. 
yeah. everything's okay. Yeah, why um, not? Why not do it? Yeah, I mean, I think like like I said, everyone can benefit from therapy whether they have a disorder mm-hmm. or not. So like in that way, then like I think it's good to just go for that. And then you can also talk to them about the potential of that and they can refer you to someone for sure. So Well, you mentioned yeah. For I, I, piggybacking on that, I've always thought of it like therapists or psychologists or psychiatrists, <clears throat> depending on who you're seeing, are so reminiscent of car mechanics. Like they <laughs> they are not going to judge. They, all they want to do is fix this vehicle and get this vehicle out of their shop working properly. And they want, you know... They're just that, there to give you the tools. Yeah. That's yeah. exactly right. They aren't, they're yeah. definitely not going to judge you. They're not going to be like, your fucking car's paint job is pretty, you, you know, <laughs> there's a chip. In, they don't care about that. They want to yeah. fix the engine. Mm-hmm. That's what they're paid for. You know, there's no reason to fear to feel ashamed about it. It's just, you're getting the car fixed. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, it's like a, like, I wish that, I wish that I had had this as a kid too. Just like in schools, like a therapist that oh, God, like yeah. you're required to talk to because they they should be able to um, have someone that they can open up to and, and make sure everything's going OK, because I didn't have that. I like I know most people don't have that. Yeah. Um, and I went for a long time with my anxiety disorder, not knowing that it wasn't me, that I that I could do something about it. it- and I think that's what I would just like, like for me, the most important thing to emphasize, too, is like um, if you're feeling a certain way it's like not like there are ways to fix to fix it you know and get better and it might take a while of trying different things but um it does get better like it's a whole world of difference for me since i've started treating everything and uh i i mean i can't imagine like suffering for a lot longer and and a lot of people do so yeah i mean it's setting up like you know, like you mentioned, you know, you can have a lot of friends, but you might not have an, a relationship with any of these friends where like you do open up about these kind of inner, um, struggles, you know, like, like feelings that you're having. So, yeah, that strikes me as, um, a hurdle that some people are going to have, whether they don't have friends like you're talking about, but also people like hotshot rock climbers, you know, like fucking running it out 20 feet above a number one stopper and a flared crack they're like uh i don't show vulnerability right i'm not here to be vulnerable it's like breaking that seems would seem to be a struggle for like an advocate for like you to tell people or to explain like vulnerability is strength that is like showing strength yeah totally and again too like um, even if you don't have friends like that, if you're an adult, you can go to a therapist without <laughs> anyone knowing, you know, <laughs> exactly so, right. No excuses. Um, no, but, uh, but anyways, what you're saying, like, I agree, like, uh, in climbing, there is that kind of thing of, of like, you should just run it out, you know? <laughs> yeah. Don't um, be afraid. Yeah, totally. I guess like, maybe that's why I like doing this kind of stuff too, is because, makes me feel brave because even though like I have done a lot of risk assessment with it, um, it does feel good to do something that, that like you feel like it is a a dangerous situation. It Mm -hmm. is scary. So, and it's legitimately scary, you know, not just like you're like 
right at your bolt and you're like oh my god i don't want to take the whip yes it's like <laughs> i might pull yeah. my gear and yeah deck yeah, yeah exactly um, i mean i like that i like that aspect of climbing like mm-hmm. being bold i think that it's just important to know that you can deal with stuff yeah. and be bold yeah. <laughs> um you can deal with like mental like because I have an anxiety disorder doesn't mean I can't be bold climbing. Yeah. So. I mean, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, like one of the little sidebars in the article that you wrote talks about um, some investigation you did in the climbing community and mental health. Right. Mm-hmm, and yeah. I, those numbers struck me is it, it didn't surprise me. It did shock me. And I know there's a difference that I can't put my finger on. Surprise is like a good thing, I guess. And shock is like, oh. Well, yeah. Well, surprise can also be like awful. Like, oh my God, I didn't know that existed. Like yeah. I, I had a feeling that those numbers existed in the climbing community, but it's just shocking to see it. You're just like, wow, that's affirmation. So my question is, do you think that climbing as a sport appeals to people who have intrinsic struggles with mental health more than other sports because the numbers that you quantify in your article would lead me to believe lead me to that conclusion i think climbing is like an it's an individual sport and i do think that just climbing in general going climbing up something you know is that metaphor of of um the journey and like achievement yeah um and so i think the fact that it's individual the fact that it's different probably like you know it's i mean it's mainstream it's gone mainstream but it's not totally um especially like climbing outside like um you know trad routes multi-pitches whatever um i definitely think that it attracts people who are searching for something in their life that like they haven't found within themselves or their community yet. Um, for me, at least that's what I, it was. Um, I was like the first person in my family to climb. Yeah, um, me too. And I branched out that way. And so I think for me, yeah, like I found this different community that and this whole other sport and world that really filled this void that I had. So it's so curious. I mean, we know of all of the people um, who have struggled with mental health issues in climbing. And I, I often wonder if it's because climb, the core climbing community is so small and so like incestuous, we all know each other and we all hang out. Um, but boy, when you think about it, you're like, God, it's a lot of people that have really struggled and like not sought help. And it's, it's been a sad ending for many yeah. people in our community. Um, we all know who those people are, you know, some, some many friends yeah, who have struggled I think- like I said, like this kind of goes back to my earlier point, but I do think that it's easy when you're struggling to feel like this is how it's going to be. And and it's you, you know? Um, and that's just how it is. Like, there's no, there's no way to get better. Mm -hmm. And it's a weird thing that like these kind of disorders do. It's like, make you feel like that. Like it's going to feel like that forever. Um, so it just, I think that's why spreading the word, especially like, you know, in our community, if, if, you know, that is true that not many people have gotten help it's it's again probably because they don't understand that it can get better um so yeah it's it's sad though because knowing you know like how i feel now like i feel so much better i still have anxiety Mm -hmm. i still have ups and downs but it's much much better and much more 
I'm able to realize that it's like, okay, I'm experiencing anxiety as opposed to like, what's wrong with me? Yeah, I just feel (laughs) bad and I I don't know why. Yeah. I'd love to talk just real quick about how your coping mechanisms have changed from age 21, like after the viral thyroid disease that you struggled with, and then kind of anxiety really ramped up for you. And uh, I'll I'll pronounce this wrong, but trichotillomania? Yeah, trichotillomania. Trichotillomania. And that was a coping mechanism. Um, How has it changed after all of the work that you've put in, both with a therapist and your self-help how have your coping mechanisms changed in these last like six or seven years yeah i so i feel like like i said like when i was diagnosed it was just like such a weird thing because i definitely felt better after take starting to take lexapro and um i felt like the edge was taken off for sure but i feel like i didn't grow much further with that psychiatrist and just for some reason and um i think it Mm. again was just my mind wasn't very open to the idea that i i did have this disorder and that i had to trust the ways to treat it um and so it took a while like and i think that this is why china at all was such a big step for me with my mental health was because i also went back to therapy and learned a lot with this therapist And I think like it's only been recently, like especially with the medication change too earlier this year that I've felt a lot better and seen just like, oh, like, yeah, like I used to like spiral with these thoughts that now I'm just like, nope, we're not going there. (laughs) Like we're just like, this is like the spiral that's starting. So Mm -hmm. we're just going to redirect your attention or do something that is actually calming. Um, And I think like it's so easy to – try to find like um escapes and like check out like even just like like i remember my first psychiatrist actually said this to me like there's a difference between me being injured all day um watching netflix binging because you know that's what i i've decided to do with my day or you know like sitting there like saying you're gonna watch one episode and then just watching like a bunch over like and like Mm. For hours and hours when like you could be doing something else use, more useful. So, That's... Or, or like, you know, like if you plan to versus you end up doing it, it's just different. <laughs> and like one of them is like a coping, like a checking out mechanism because you're like, I just want to like, like not deal with everything else that I'm supposed to be doing. Dude, that's oh. just, you cannot figure that out without somebody telling you that that's <laughs> fucking happening. Yeah. You know? Yeah, no, I mean, it is like, it's very eye opening. I feel like, I've learned so much recently too, like about uh, just like things that do do and don't work for me. Um, And I even just recently, which I mean, it's never ending, you know, like you always keep learning stuff that works and doesn't. Even just recently, I switched from coffee to tea. Um, And the tea is so much better. Like, I I mean, I, I drink caffeinated tea in the morning and uh, I used to drink like two or three cups of coffee a day and I never really like people would tell you, you know, like, oh yeah, it's like going to like make you more anxious or whatever. But I'm like, nah, it's fine. Like it gives me energy. It, like, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah. Like, and it makes sense. Like it's a stimulant, you know? Um, and yeah. it really like has made a huge difference too in my overall mood. Like I don't see these ups and downs, especially when I'm not doing much all day. Um, yeah you do see, like, you notice the difference. Um, I don't really need, like, to be overly stimulated right now. Um, the And the, the tea caffeine high is much more, like, just 
mellow where I feel like totally. the caffeine high from coffee is like, woohoo. Yeah. <laughs> and then you hit that low later and you're like, oh man. And that's where like the anxiety comes in. It's not just like while you're drinking the coffee, it's like after too. So God, I wonder if that shit's psychosomatic because you know, a lot of teas have way more caffeine than coffee. Yes, but, but I, I feel the same way. I think you metabolize it differently. Ah. Yeah. Well, it definitely doesn't hit you in the same way that coffee does. Either way, a lot of what you're saying is very illuminating and hits a little close to home. So, uh, my chance. That's good. That's what we're trying to do. Is hit <laughs> so close thank to you home. for sharing. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, to each his own too, but I think that I've always been like, oh, well, no coffee doesn't give me anxiety. It makes me feel good, but it's not just while you're drinking it, yeah. which is like what is so easy to like think it's like after too, like the yeah. rest of your day, rest you're like, yeah, it's like it affects you afterwards as well. I mean, same thing with like drinking or weed or whatever. It's like, it's not during the event it's after and like for a long time after in your system can still affect you so i really like what you said about um how you you can know making the con conscious decision to watch netflix all day versus like yeah. i'll watch one and then all of a sudden it's been eight hours and you're like what have i done why why did this happen and just feeling like mm -hmm. you're not in control of yourself that is yeah um, yeah <laughs> i think a lot of people can relate to that, you know, just the co not realizing you're coping. You're, that's a coping mechanism, and that uh, there's something. Yeah, more, it's shocking almost to, to be yeah. like that. <laughs> I'm doing. There's a, a reason why I'm behaving this way that yeah. you're you're just not privy to, really. You know. Yeah. No. Exactly. Like, I mean, naturally, I'm like, like, I feel like you know, with coffee, even too, it's like it feels good to do it. So, like why is it bad for me? Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, and I think some of the things are like simple too, like, you know, drinking wa more water and like having a schedule, like it actually really does help mm -hmm. a lot. Um, so where did, where does climbing fall for you? Is it a, is it a coping mechanism or is it more of a ther therapeutic or is it mm -hmm. kind of this or is it even in I, that spectrum, I guess? I don't know. I would say like therapeutic in a way that it's it's good for me to be able to focus on one thing. Yeah. Yes. And uh, like I'm not thinking about, you know, how many likes I have on my Instagram posts when I'm climbing a route. So, um, which sounds dumb, but I get I've gotten anxiety about that before. <laughs> I was going to ask you about that. I was going to ask you how social media affects anxiety for somebody I, okay, who has so, to do it for Adidas, you know? Yeah. So that's another thing um, that I've worked, I've found that works and doesn't work for me is I have to set limits for how much social media I can do during the day. Um, otherwise, it really does it. It really makes me anxious. Like if I don't respond to someone right away and I've seen their message, or like you know how many? It, why is my photo not doing as well as this other person? You know, oh it's just so easy to fall into that trap. Or like, oh my god, this person sent another hard route. Like I'm not doing anything. It's like yeah. me. <laughs> so. Yeah, I think that just setting a time limit and like, um, same thing with emails too. Just like, like okay, I'm gonna respond to emails during you know till three o'clock, and after three o'clock, I'm just not gonna look at my email because otherwise, I feel obligated to. I feel anxious, like I have to do it right away, which is unfortunately um, a symptom of anxiety is that urgency to everything. Yeah, <laughs> but it has to be dealt with right away. <laughs> God, um, one thing I wanted to talk about. If you're okay to talk about mental health a little bit more, yeah, absolutely. Um, there's there's one thing that I often think about. Um, let me see if I can word this the right way. So, 
as climbers, if you're a core climber, if you're going to do it for the rest of your life, which all three of us are going to, um, you go through a million different phases. You go through the grade chasing phase and then you kind of wake up out of that and you're like, I'm still going to kind of chase grades, but it's not that important. You go through all these different phases. And I think there's one phase that can, is more damaging than others is that when, when you become a core climber and it's really ha is now a part of your life, how climbing can interweave into the way you identify yourself. So how, I don't know how to say this, but I, I'm wondering if you've ever struggled or you think it is a danger to um, tie your self-worth and your self-identification too intrinsically to climbing. And if that can cause mental health issues, I, I know for a fact it can cause you to leave the sport. Oh, yeah. I mean... Uh, but if you've I ever suffered with that... Yeah, absolutely. I, I went through that with China doll too. Like, not feeling that good enough, you know, to do something so hard. Um, as a person and, too, not just a climber, right? It affects oh, your yeah. whole oh, person. No, as a person. Yeah. yeah. Like it wasn't like I left the crag and I was like, oh, bummer. And then like went home and like was like all excited about my life. Um, <laughs> yeah. was, like, like kind of like in the dumps for a little. So um, it definitely like it's I don't know why it is so easy for us to do, but um, I feel like a lot of climbers tie their worth to – how they're climbing and how their day is based on how they're climbing. That's exactly right. I think every um, core climber either overcomes this or they succumb to it and they leave the sport or sour on the sport in some way. Yeah, I agree with that. I think like, uh, I think having goals is really important. Um, with like, for me, I don't know why I've always been a goal oriented person. Um, I think, well, I think I do know why it's because I feel like achievement has always been this thing of like, if you achieve, then you're a good person, you know, like you're worthy. Um, yeah. Yeah. You get and, the pellet, you get the yeah. pellet, somebody feeds you yeah, a pellet. Exactly. Like, so it's been hard and it still gets me down. Like, I mean, I would be lying if I didn't say I, um, didn't cry like several times working on this route. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think that you just have to, it's weird. Like you have to have goals, but not like, I think it's good to go for goals, but not align with your self-worth. And that's really hard to say, or it's really hard to do and easy to say. Yes. Um, I don't, yeah. It's something that I still struggle with too. Oh yeah. I me too. I think that for me, what's helped and like, like for example, what's helped with this route, um, even before I sent it on, on sport, like I thought that crux move was way too hard for me for so long. I, I wouldn't, I couldn't do the move like, um, and then it got to a point where I was able to do it pretty consistently. So it's just like crazy because like for months I could not do that move. And yeah. then like, as soon as I like the muscle memory, like figured it out, um, I was doing it pretty consistently at like first try. And it was just like weird to see that. I mean, there were some days when it was too hot and it would not work out, but Anyways, um, I think you have to really trust in the process with that and like, like know that you're putting in a lot of work and, and, uh, then at that point, if it's still not working out, what I did is I took like two weeks off of working on the route and went and climbed other things that I really enjoyed. Um, yeah. and that gave me that feeling of like, I love climbing. Again. Yeah. Reminder. One, of them was, one of them was like a, uh, a head point in El Dorado Canyon. That was a five twelve. 
that I had actually gotten on before COVID and was like, oh, I'll do it. And then COVID happened. And I was like, probably not the best idea to do this right now. Um, and so I went back to it. This was like in July or June, end of June. And no, beginning of July. Um, anyways, I went back to it and like climbed it on top rope. And I was like, oh, cool. I think I can do it. And I did it. And it was like the first thing, like scary thing I'd climbed in a while. And I was like, wow, that was so awesome. Like, <laughs> so like, I mean, it wasn't the hardest thing in the world, but it was like, scary and fun and like that's what i love about climbing is like mm-hmm. overcoming like i was scared and i was really run out and i was i still did it so i was like wow okay like cool and i don't know it satisfied a part of me that like i needed to satisfy or you know i needed that fulfillment in some way that i wasn't getting from the route so uh, there's always so many different options with climbing in order to get those those satisfying feelings and i think it's easy to become tunnel vision when you have one goal and you're not able to do it but then, you know, I went back to that after climbing things for fun and I ended up making progress. So it's like just like always knowing there's other options. It's not the be all and end all if you can't do one climb. Yeah. So. Yeah. It makes me think that self-worth is tied up. Like climbers never struggle with self, like tying uh, our sport in like that is our identifier of self-worth in the first year of climbing. We're no. just having a fucking blast. So, God, that's like a real epiphany for me. You're That's exactly right. If you're feeling like struggling, like you've, you've inextricably tied this sport to your personal value, fucking step away and go do that stuff that is so much fun. Doesn't have to be super challenging. You're just yeah, remembering. It could be like, like, uh, like, you know, going up the first flat iron or something like things like that, that we just genuinely enjoy about climbing. And that's why I'm like too, a little bit like positive about coming back to it is I've taken some time off now and I've been forced to live without it, you know? Yeah. Um, so I, I do think that that fresh perspective does bring a lot of good things because you're not expecting anything. And I think that we tend to start to expect things of climbing, um, as we get stronger, you know, like we expect we deserve something. So I think it's good to have that perspective of not, not expecting anything and just going into it with like, all right, we'll see how this goes and enjoying it for, for what it is, the failing, whatever. Yeah. Once again, so easy to say, so (laughs) hard to do, dude. Yeah, totally. I think that's why it's important though, to have different things that you're excited about besides just climbing. Totally. Um, and even if like, even beyond just like other doing other kinds of climbing, like I think it's good to have, um, other hobbies, other interests. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, right now for like, for example, for you, you know, having it climbing taken away, like obviously we've talked about all the potential benefits where it gets you recycled and stuff, but it's also a good time to be like, okay, like I can focus on other aspects of my life that maybe I've been neglecting cause I'm so focused and psyched on climbing all the time. Um, totally. So it's been good for, I mean, reconnecting with people. Yeah. Actually it has, um, yeah, just like talking to family more and, uh, it's been good for, yeah, exploring other things. Like I've been journaling more, which I don't, you know, I always am like, I don't have time for this a lot of the time. So it's, I do have time now. (laughs) Um, and, um, I like video games. (laughs) Dude. (laughs) <laughs> You're talking about writing in video games. I'm a writer. Feedy's a master video game player. Used to be a competitive Smash Brothers player. 
See, you got the right crew Wait, here, really? dude. Yeah, he's a badass. No way. Yeah, That's yeah. You know, a different life, a different time. <laughs> then, uh, you know, injuries took it away from me, but I'm happy. I'm happy now. Molly, that's the <laughs> truth. When I first met Feedy, we would go climbing uh, and uh, like his thumbs would be taped up and his fingers would be taped up. I'm like, oh, dude, what's wrong? Wait, like your thumb is taped up now? Oh, is yeah, that's a different injury. That's not, that's not video games for me. We're gaming too hard. <laughs> <laughs> but Feedy would be injured and I could, I never really got an answer out of him. And eventually he was like, that's. Ah, it's fucking Smash Brothers. And I was like, what is Smash Brothers? Yeah. But he was a competitive... Well, it turns out repetitive motions are bad for you if you do them a lot, very frequently. Well, yeah, but you I, gave I, that I, shit I, up and... It, what go was ahead. That? Oh, oh uh, I, I definitely know what you mean about the thumb thing because yeah. recently, like, I've been waking up every once in a while and my thumb is just, like, kind of stiff. And I'm yeah. like, wait... Why? Yeah, why? From the video games. Yeah, (laughs) no, for real. Your so great. Your body was like, "Hey, yo, I wasn't designed to do this exact motion like a machine. (laughs) I will fail you." (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, anyways, (laughs) but Feedy, you gave up. Yeah. That and instantly your climbing. Yeah, I got way better at climbing. So I've never seen a trajectory (laughs) like Feedy was on. He was like, it was amazing. But I, I yeah, wanted to talk about one thing. Um, we were talking about goals and like, what is the future going to hold for you? Because you're on a trajectory, um, kind of like uh, Chris Kalouz in the Enormicast is like, holy shit, you're like really flying on uh, a high trajectory here. Like you're Aww, you're thanks. you're going. Um, What's next on the list? Like, what do you what do you got in the hopper? What are your dreams for climbing specifically? Uh, um, I think that well, I think I would really like to do more hard single pitch trad climbs. Yeah. Um, I've always been inspired by the path at Lake Louise. I'd love to go try that. Um, and then I also would really love like, and this is more recent actually, just like in the past like few weeks, because of especially because of Emily's ascent is like, I'd love to do something on El Cap. I think that'd be sick. So yeah, um, dude. just like, yeah. Taking trad climbing to multi-pitch. I don't, I haven't really done too many uh, multi-pitches. So it'd be, it'd be a learning curve, but uh, I'm willing to, I guess, get into it. Yeah. Does that motivate you? Like um, I think of Emily and her like, the whole time period she spent on Golden Gate, right? All these years and the the trips and the so falls. Cool, yeah. It's so like all of us look at it like, oh my god, that's so fucking cool. But for her, she must be like that. Uh, everybody, that was quite a commitment. Like mentally, yeah. physically, oh, does 100%. does that speak to you though? That kind of commitment, like, excite yeah, it you? Really does because yeah. I think that like uh, I mean, even like on a smaller scale, like. China doll last year was like this longer commitment of climbing the same route all summer. (laughs) Um, And then like, it was, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, I think that like anything in climbing inspires me when it's, it takes so long and and there's like struggles. And I think that's a good lesson for all of us to understand too, when we're going through it on our own is like that, even though like there are low periods, like this is like what, the process is and this is what we're so inspired by in climbing is people coming back from something like that and then crushing it um and it's it's it takes a long time and like when you're in it you don't see it but 
I mean, thinking about Emily's achievement, it's so awesome because of her dedication. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Just having that value is like really important Mm -hmm. to me of like, just like saying like you want to do something and and sticking with it. And like, you could take breaks, you know, like we talked about, like, that's fine. Like she wasn't on El Cap like 24 seven year round. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) exactly. She she came back for it. And that's almost like more impressive to me to be able to let it go every year and then come back the next. So it's just so mentally strong. Mm -hmm. Um, is how I see it. Yeah, it's, it's what climbing is all about—just perseverance and yeah. like commitment. And yeah. that's like we're so inspired by it for a reason. And yet, sometimes when we're in it, we don't see that. You know, mm-hmm. like we don't see like when we're at our low points, projecting something that it's ever going to get better, or that like this could be just part of the process, like everyone else goes through. Mm-hmm. Is yeah. it weird wrapping your head around that you are the inspiration for so many people? Me? Yeah. Oh, thanks. Um, I wonder about this with like climbers who have a million different struggles um, and it just like the rest of humanity and they don't do a lot of self-reflection maybe about, I mean, you got, you're the guys that are like, we're watching videos of you to, we're getting inspired by you. Is that, thanks. that's a weird thing think to think that, about. I think I'm always just so hard on myself, yeah. which I've gotten better about for sure. But I think that it, it is hard for me to see that part of it. Um, and I think, yeah, like I've never, I don't know, like like we've talked about with that article, there was like a long period of time where it's gotten so much better now, but like I would always question if I'm good enough to, to be pursuing climbing like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know. I never, it's hard for me to always wrap my head around that like maybe it is inspiring other people, but I hope it is. Yeah. I don't know. It is. Thanks. <laughs> I, I always think about that. I'm like, I wonder if they know. But then right, I'm like, no, yeah. they probably don't even, that's probably uncomfortable probably, to mean, think most, about. I feel like most people, most even other like professional climbers, like I've talked to, like don't really think about it that way because they have exactly. something else that they're worried about or something, you know? And they're just a regular person. Like, I mean, y'all, we're exactly. all the same. Yeah. We're all just people. Yeah. yeah. Um, and like, that's what I love about climbing too, is I think that it's a cool sport where everyone can, experience those same processes that the the pros go through absolutely i love the sport for that reason it's not like like um i can go to eldo and literally see the world's greatest athlete greatest climber and i can climb right next to them but i can't go to the city park and play a pickup basketball game with michael jordan yeah like this is our sport is fucking weird in that way you know what i mean and it's weird in the way too that like um you know you could be projecting something that's just like uh like like at your level that like is really hard for you mm-hmm. and go through a similar experience that someone who's climbing a way harder graded route next to you i don't know like it's, it's yeah it's so me. relative right because everyone's baseline and then you yeah. have your like you have your like try hard zone and it's different for everybody but at the same time but that, it's the exact that, same struggle that effort and struggle yeah it's it's yeah it's, very it's similar. like connecting in that way mm-hmm. um it feels like more like they're real people i feel like yes um and yeah like i mean it's inspiring to me like watching cli- these climbing videos you know it could be someone trying hard on like a 511 or whatever and it's like like if they're screaming and trying and like sticking moves that you think they're going to fall. You're like, Oh my God, like this person is rad. Like, yeah, they're crushing it. Like, because it's that same like commitment that I think that we love about the sport. Yeah. 
totally is. And as a funny aside about like seeing your heroes out there, seeing like these rad climbers, the first belay I ever got in Indian Creek was from Steph Davis. Nice. Like 20 That's years, awesome. 20 years ago. I was just like, what world am I living in right now? Cause I was like starstruck back then. Right. Yeah. Amazing. Well, dude, uh, I know both me and Feedy know that great things are in the future for you and we Thanks. wish you the best for your recovery. Yeah. And I have zero, I, I am a hundred percent sure you're going to come back stronger than ever. Thank you so much. That means so much to me. And seriously, thank you for your kind words about the article too. That yeah, the article really, really meant a lot. And um, it's cool, especially coming from another writer in the, that's done a lot in the outdoor industry. Um, I mean, I shared it with my parents. I was like, Guys, look what this writer said about my writing. <laughs> oh nice. God, they're gonna read my stuff and be like, "Don't ever talk to that guy again." <laughs> no, they thought it was cool. I mean, my parents have always like pushed me to write more. So, oh, that's um, great. That's rare. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I guess like just from a young age, they like noticed that I was like, and my brother too. We're, we're both just like enjoyed it, and we're like moderately good at it. So, yeah. oh, dude, keep. Keep, keep going it it, you just Thanks. it's amazing how much how much better it's just like climbing the more you practice yes you, i know and like like this like we talked about the process with matt um has really helped so i mean yeah. you, you couldn't have a better editor dude he's in my in my opinion he's you know one of the top 10 writers in the outdoor industry he's yeah fucking great yeah he really is all right, yeah. dude. Well, um, super nice to meet you, Molly. Thank you yeah, for coming nice on. Thank you so much for doing this. Yeah. And you were also the first person we've interviewed who has been in bed the entire time during the interview. So that was <laughs> Andrew, amazing. Her I back's broken. I know. That's yeah. no excuse. I know. You know, I was talking to a friend the other day. I was like, I can literally use the excuse. I have, my back is broken. Like, <laughs> exactly. So I have to be in bed. I'm sorry. You have sorry. a bomb-proof excuse. Yeah, yeah. And like, oh, sorry, I can't make it. I broke my back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can't use that excuse. Well, Molly, uh, best of luck. Best of luck. And we can't wait to see what's next for you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. This means so much to me. I'm excited. Yeah. You got it. Bye. All right, bye, Molly. Bye. 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 You too. Ladies and gentlemen, Molly Mitchell. Dude, what a great... So I got to give her props because... Uh, so we did this interview remote. Um, we have to. We have to. No choice. Uh, it's starting to become, once again, not the best decision to see people that aren't inside your immediate circle. I was nervous circle. seeing you here at the yeah, house, man. I mean, it's just like straight up trust that we're trusting each other that mm -hmm. we got to, dude. Somebody's got to make the money for this podcast. <laughs> yeah. So, but, but usually when we do podcast remote, um, I personally, you know, I feel like there is a little bit of a difference and, uh, I do think with Molly though, it was, uh, I feel like her personality came across just like so well and yeah, we were, you know, having a conversation and not necessarily just like a interview. So I was awesome. I was nervous that there. So when I first got a hold of Molly, um, I did not know that she'd had that accident because I haven't been following climbers on social media as much as I used to. Yeah, because I'm, I am, I have an unhealthy addiction <laughs> to politics. And I might be the problem with America. A good example of it. <laughs> um, 
But I call her or I got a hold of her. And I was like, well, oh, I'd love to have you on the podcast. Like I just read your climbing article. It was just so great. And in 2020 is like a time when we need to focus on our yeah. mental health and yeah. like the issues that we're all dealing with. She's like, oh, I have all the time in the world. I just decked, took a ground fall and broke my back. And I was like, holy <laughs> shit. I should have known this. Oh my God. Um, Yeah. She's awesome, man. I just, uh, yeah. So I can't wait you, to Molly. see what is next yeah. on the list for her. Yeah. I have a, I have a inkling that there's going to be a pretty badass climbing movie coming out in a few years <laughs> yeah related to her because i mean she she kind of hinted at it like yeah, yeah her her uh boyfriend is a filmmaker and has like the footage in hg because they've probably been you know dude i want to see that but either way so bad you know i <laughs> dude i kind of do too but i'm also like oh god i know me and feedy were talking about um after the after the uh, podcast there are like two ways i myself am terrified to fall I mean, as everybody fucking knows, I talk about all the time, I've broken many bones, legs, arms, all that shit. That's just not that big a deal. There's sticks attached to your body. They're going to break. But they're landing on your face? Yeah. I don't ever want to do that. (laughs) And landing on your butt from... She fell from 30 feet and landed on her keister. Dude, shout outs to Spines. (laughs) <laughs> shout outs to spines everywhere you know what feedy i feel like that is an overdue shout out we should yeah. have shouted that out on the first yeah. episode you know what my back hey listen i've i appreciate you back i back you support me hey. oh, uh, through I see what you did there everything and i know i don't treat you the best i know i should do my yoga more i know i shouldn't sit at my desk as long as i do or yeah. hunched over and um i just want you to know i'm gonna try i'm gonna try harder i think the back's like a real stand-up part of you. Do you, huh? you know, it's Do definitely, you, it's a little... Fucking dad joke? Are you? No, I, was, I gave right. you a wink. It uh, just doesn't translate uh, over okay. right, um, the podcast. <laughs> wink. Yeah, the Tink. back is, um, you know, I feel really connected to it. Back, you are my back, and I've got your back. Fuck, dude. How much farther could we go? You, you literally <laughs> are my back, but I've also I've got, got your, your back. back back yeah yeah Do i'm think, trying my hardest to think um, of more but i can't uh obviously here we're just having a good time now uh bef- but i do want dave to tell a funny story he just told me um oh which is actually so D- dave has talked a few times about breaking his bones in india yeah and i don't know if we ever really told this the, the section of the story that i really love which is when you with your broken leg on crutches in a lot of pain were kicked off of the train oh yeah yeah will you just tell that segment of that please okay well this is in an article on rock and ice (laughs) in fucking 2007 so if you have that issue (laughs) laying around um it's all there so i had my broken leg and i was like in a fucking paper mache cast Mm -hmm. i mean it looked like it was a bunch of fourth graders were fed like 12 grams of crack Oh. And told to put a cast on somebody. So like, yeah, like a little messy, but very energetically put together. It was bad. Passionately. It was bad. If yeah. it would have started raining, it would have fallen off of me. <laughs> I, I mean, this is in the middle of the fucking Indian desert. It's in a little town. I mean, it's 150,000 people, yeah. but in India, that's a little town um, called Hospit. Way south, right next to Hompi. So they put this fucking cast on me and 
had to stick around uh, India for like five or in Hompi for like five more days until our trip was done. So anyway, we book, um, God, I haven't told this story forever, dude. I love we it. book the tickets um, and we're sitting, it's night in the middle of the Indian desert in this um, train station called uh, Gudapal, I think, Guntapal station. And we're like the only dudes there. There some Indian folks walking around looking at us curiously like, what the fuck yeah. are these gringos doing here? These Americans doing in the middle of wherever and I'm on crutches. Anyway, we're nervous that this might not be the right train, <laughs> but we think it probably is. So anyway, the train pulls up after a long delay yeah. and we get on. And everybody's like, hey, what's your name? What are you doing? Let me mm-hmm. see your ticket. And uh, there's a bit of a a kerfuffle that happens almost immediately. <laughs> and uh, we're like, you know, walk up to our seats. And we're like, those are our seats. And the guys are like, fucking aren't your seats. Yeah. Um, and eventually, it's all very confusing. Yeah. The, the train starts moving. Oh, shit. Okay. So we're stuck on this thing, even if we're hitchhikers. And eventually, a security guard with weapons, a, a giant man, a, a, a large, large barrel-chested man with a fucking mustache like Tom Selleck yeah, in 1982. Yeah, Just beautiful mustache. Beautiful, yeah. He says, uh, let me see your tickets. Show him our tickets. He said, this is not your train. You have to get off this train. And it's me and... Uh, one of my buddies and the photographer, who is also a good friend, because we were there to write an article about climbing. And uh, he said, you have to get off. And we're like, well, the fucking train's moving. He said, you are getting off this train right now. Because well, what does he know? We're, we could just be, a bu- we could be the quote unquote ugly Americans. And I'm like, I have a shattered leg. I cannot jump off this train, this moving train. And that's it, man. He starts shuffling. Well, what he does, okay. He puts me in a a bear hug where his chest is to my back. And he starts walking me towards the entrance. My buddy, Paul, who was on the trip, who's a Canadian, who's in the article as well, is just fucking losing his mind. Like, what are you... This man is injured. You could kill him right now. He could hurt his leg. Work. And this fucking security guard doesn't care at all. There's no compassion in his eyes whatsoever. He's like, I have seen too much shit <laughs> for this. Strangely enough, yeah. there's not even humor in his eyes. <laughs> like, he's not even laughing at the situation. He's just like straight uh, business. You guys are cockroaches. I am going to step... Like, you yeah. don't belong in the bathroom. I'm going to step yep. on the cockroaches. So the first person to jump off is <laughs> so Kyler. Tra- this train is fucking going. <laughs> this train is moving. So we look out of this gaping hole where, where we're to jump out. <sighs> and it's just black Indian desert darkness with no lights anywhere. And you can just barely see the ground zipping by. So Kyler, the photographer, is like... Pretty quiet guy anyway. He's just like, fuck it. <laughs> and he's the first one to jump out. He's and I'll like, never forget watching it. it. He like is in the air and then boom, he's just gone. And I'm like, oh my God, 
I, I don't know if I can do this. Paul, the Canadian, still screaming and just causing a ruckus. It's like, I can't fucking believe. And he's gone into the night. And I am still in a bear hug. Yeah, he's holding you. And I'm just like preparing myself to, this guy's obviously not going to throw me out. I'm like, okay, yeah. okay, I got it. And all of a sudden, out of the darkness, is Paul arms, arms pumping, arms pumping just sprinting as fast as he can, like, Dave, I'm here for you. Jump into my arms. And I'm like, fucking Paul, get away, dude. We'll just hurt both of us. So we're only going like 12 miles per hour yeah. right now. And I'm just like, uh, I'm like, let go of me. I'm going to jump out. And I've, God, it's in the article. I said something like, bon voyage. And I jumped out and I like smack Paul's hands as I'm in the air. Like, don't try to catch me. I'm a, I'm a grown adult. Hit the ground. Do like seven long jump yeah. jumps on my left leg and finally get my balance. And we've gone like a mile past the station. And there are pictures of this in the magazine. We're all just sitting there next to the tracks being like, we just got thrown off a moving train in the middle of the <laughs> Indian desert. So we walked back oh. to the station. Oh, the I'd thrown my crutches out. So I picked my crutches up. Yeah. We, we yeah. walked back to the station about two just hours later. Really... Our train oh, hey, finally pulls out. Oh, hey, and that was that was part of the story. That's just part of the yeah. story. There's yeah, an AK-47 the, uh, involved later where yeah. a guy. Uh, Can people read this article anywhere, or is it just on? I it? think it's just in the. Dude, why don't you put it on Thunderclaim? It's. Like, I don't know. I'm so fucking lazy. Maybe it is on. You know, it might be on Thunderclaim.com. Yeah. Might be like the first or second <laughs> article you see there. But it was just oh. mad, madness. I can't believe you told made me tell that story. I love that story. It was you keep you always talk about this leg. You know, we have to tell parts of it. Um, we talk. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there you go. Happy, Happy Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. <laughs> that you probably won't be able to actually go see your family on because yeah. Of COVID. So, but what are you gonna do? All right, guys. Uh, well, anyway. hey, thanks Molly oh. for coming on. Um, we really appreciate it. We can't wait to see what you're gonna do, and we will be back the Thunderclink podcast yeah. in uh, well, you know a number of weeks. A number of weeks. Unspecified we number of weeks. No long, yeah, we're just gonna we're gonna. We'll do it. If you'd like to grouse at us, yeah. you can get a hold of us at. Why would you do that to me? Oh, Thunder, just... The thundercling at gmail.com. The thunder. No. Oh. Fuck, man. If you want to get a hold of us, find us on Instagram at <laughs> the thundercling or thunderclingpodcast Podcast at, at gmail.com. Gmail. Thank you. Wow, we are rusty. Um, yeah. But we, I, I want you all to know that we love you dearly. Mm -hmm. um, we okay. think about you all the time. All the time. Uh, it's probably unhealthy. Yeah, probably, I have yeah. pictures of a number of our listeners um, scattered throughout my house mm -hmm. in files that I keep of people that I desperately want to meet someday. <laughs> and I'll, I will go to the ends of the earth to find you. Yeah. And say hello. And perhaps yeah, like years later, the door you're at home, and the door you'll hear like a weird like scratching almost, like a. And then you'll open you'll open it, and a decrepit Dave will be like, "I've been looking for you." They'll be like, "Are you the dude from that old <laughs> fucking podcast that hasn't been around for twenty, 20 years? years? Are you Dave McGaglier? Dave Mc Dave McGlug? And yeah. that's and you'll be like, yes. 
that's when I'm going to tie them up mm-hmm. and I'm going to put them in my trunk yeah. and I'm going to take them home yeah. and Dave they're going to be my new friends oh. because that's what I need. Well, at that point is new friends. So at that point, your house won't, it'll actually just be, it'll be inside of the climbing wall. It doesn't make any difference. Because the exterior of the house will have become the climbing wall because you've already started in here, but it's going to keep spreading like a disease. I kind of feel that I will live in more of a fortress at that time. And they're like a will, climbing, yeah. they'll have special rooms that I will have built for them. So keep listening to the podcast. Yeah. And uh, if you're lucky, I'll see you in about 25 years. <laughs> That's a long time. <laughs> Just don't worry. But remember. But remember. Goodbye. Bye.